This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Monday, the 20th day of November. Um, sorry about Friday. The woke up, had no internet. <laughs> um, obviously, I've been having issues with the internet because the, the live stream had cut off both Wednesday and Thursday without posting the full full show and uh, then woke up Friday and had no internet at all. And of course, it being the weekend, um, I was able to, to get all the folks at Blackfoot, our, our, uh, our phone company where I get my DSL, they really are great. They have, uh, they, they do great work and they're very responsive and they, they, they care about getting you up, getting your, your stuff back up and running and everything. Um, I think I mentioned that uh, they came out and uh, they came out and rewired our house after the lightning strike in August. So we had to have new uh, new phone line run in um, because of the damage from the lightning strike. So the uh, and they were they were quick about it. They had that done in a week, you know. But for some reason, and and it's it's been the internet's been spotty all weekend. But of course, it's the weekend, and so. Whether they will, you know, I'm sure I'll hear from them today, and we don't still don't know what the issue is. Hopefully, it'll hold up, and the live stream will go. It's it's come and gone, and the speed has gone up and down. It just hasn't been steady and reliable. Um, I was able to watch all of Sunday Night Football last night. You know, there's a there's a chance. Um, it just might work, but we have. Um, you know, a good internet company, and they're taking good care of us. And uh, now, as you know, last week I was wearing University of Montana Grizzly T-shirts every day because Saturday was the Brawl of the Wild, the 122nd meeting of the University of Montana Grizzlies and the Montana State University Bobcats. Now, this was a historic one. Because both teams were ranked nationally in the top five. And that's the first time ever. The Grizzlies were ranked number three. The Bobcats were ranked number four. And nobody knew what was going to happen on Saturday. Um, I'll be honest, I was expecting a shootout. One of those cases where, you know, the the, the last... It was, it was anyway, a really, really close high-scoring game. A really, really close, low-scoring game. Those were the two possibilities in my mind. Because both of these teams have high-powered offenses, and both teams had really good defense. Well, and, and because both teams were so good, I did not relax until maybe halfway through the fourth quarter. Grizzlies came out, and they dominated. Um, they ended up winning 37-7. to um, They were up 20 to nothing at halftime. Um the, the Bobcats, which is the, the number one rushing offense in the nation uh, at the FCS level, they were held to one touchdown. Um, the Grizzly defense was a wall and just stopped them. 
And then the, the Grizzly offense was was more than sufficient to put in the points. They they scored touchdowns on their first two drives. <clears throat> By the end of the first quarter, it was 14 nothing. And I said it was twenty nothing halftime with a couple of extra, uh, a couple of field goals. Um, so it was just a a, a good, good, um, good showing by the uh, by the Montana Grizzlies, and so I was happy. Now I think I mentioned last week that my oldest sister was a MSU Bobcat cheerleader when she was in college, and uh, she and her husband met in Bozeman at college, and they are both very. Uh, how shall we say, fervent Bobcat fans. And uh, so they're, we'll just say that, that, that my tweets and, and Facebook posts and stuff were sympathetic. <laughs> um, there were a lot of Bobcat fans in the stands. I mean, you know, there are a lot of Bobcat fans that live in Missoula. Um, there are a lot of families like mine where you have, you know, some went to Bozeman and some went to Missoula. So, you know, you've got, <laughs> I know, married couples where, you know, one is a Bobcat fan and the other one is a Grizzly fan. Does it? I mean, they're both the, they're the two biggest colleges in Montana. They're the two state schools and they are, you know, the vast majority of Montana college graduates went to one of those schools and all of the smaller schools, like what used to be Montana Tech, where it used to be, you know, there uh, there are several smaller colleges in the state um, college system, and they have been. Um, I'm trying to think how long ago that was. It's only been in the last ten years or so. I'm probably getting that wrong. It's probably been longer than that. I, I have reached that age where things tend to have happened longer ago than I realize. Um, like Master and Commander came out twenty years ago. I saw that um, Russell Crowe's great Napoleon War, Napoleonic War, uh, British. What's the name of the book author that wrote that series? O'Brien. I've never read any of the books, but boy, that movie was fabulous. Um, it might might be, uh, you know, it's one of those things. You know, it, 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 Master and Commander and Gladiator are when I start to think of Russell Crowe performances, um, or uh, that that one uh, was it Three Ten to Yuma. The western that he did; those are probably the three three favorite movies uh, of mine that Russell Crowe did. Um, but I would I would have to put I think Master and Commander was better even than Gladdy. Um, just just a great movie, just a fabulous. Movie. But it came out twenty years ago. And it's like how did that? No, I mean I mean it was a couple of years old, right? You know, it was it was a few years ago. Now it's twenty years, and and that's so. When I say this happened recently, <laughs> sometime in the last 10, 20 years, the smaller colleges were subordinated to the two big universities. So Western College in Dillon became University of Montana Western, and uh, I can't remember the name of the college in Billings, but it it's now an MSU. Uh, it's subordinated under Montana State University. So. Even all the community colleges in Montana are part of one or the other um, major university just for their governance. They've, they've been consolidated. So you've got, you know, this is a state that is passionate about its football. They're passionate about their Grizzlies. They're passionate about their Bobcats. And the Brawl of the Wild is a pretty big deal. And, and uh, 
it was a good game. Like I said, there were there were a lot of Bobcats in the fan, in the stands. A lot of um, a lot of blue and gold mixed in with the maroon and silver. Um, and so you know, and and for the most part, I mean, I heard some rude words, you know, because people have no class, and I heard rude words on both sides. But for the most part, the interaction I saw between Bobcats and Grizzlies was was fine. Everybody was glad to see each other. They were all happy to be there. But like I said, the, the Grizzlies dominated the entire game. And during the fourth quarter, the the blue and gold was leaving the stadium. And by the time the, the game wrapped up, there seemed to be much fewer Bobcat fans in the stadium. But in winning this game, the University of Montana Grizzlies are the undisputed Big Sky Conference champions. And the number two seed in the FCS tournament. So we got a first round bye in the tournament, and then we will play again uh, here in a couple of weeks. Um, yes, I have tickets. <laughs> I will be there. Um, and so we don't know. They haven't announced yet if it's a you know the kickoff time and all of that. Is it a day game? Is it a night game? I don't know. But that's, that's coming up, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, so we are in the playoffs. We are the number two seed. Uh, good, good place to be. Um, the possibility exists that we could meet the Bobcats again in mid-December in the, the, I think, quarterfinals or semifinals. We're not on complete opposite sides of the bracket, so there's no, no chance of a, a championship meeting in uh, Frisco, Texas. But, uh, but uh, that's, uh, they, we could meet the Bobcats again, depending on how things shake out. They ended up as the number six seed. So the, the Grizzlies got the number two seed. The Bobcats ended up with the number six seed. And the tournament starts the Thanksgiving weekend. So, you know, the first round is, is this coming Friday and Saturday. And uh, then the Grizzlies will be hosting. Because we're the number two seed, we will be at home. If we, you know, if we went out and go to the championship, we'll be at home until we go to Frisco for the championship game. So that's huge. We've got that Wagriz home field advantage coming up. So looking forward to that, excited about it. It was a great game on Saturday. Um, I was able to restrain my yelling um, to the point where I was at least able to preach yesterday without uh, too much crackly voice. I did not yell myself hoarse. Um, but boy, it was, it, was, it was fun. Cold game. It was foggy. Kept expecting that the, the, at the beginning of last week, we were looking at the weather and they were saying like mid 50 and sunny or partly cloudy. And it was like, well, the first reports I saw said rain. That's all right. I got rain gear. No problem. But then the, the weather reports started getting nice. It was going to be a nice day and ended up, you know, checking the weather Saturday morning before leaving for Missoula. And they said it was going to be a high of, of 41 and it would be sunny. Well, 41 and sunny in the stadium is pleasant. So we dressed accordingly thinking that, you know, I was, I was actually worried that I would be too hot with what I was wearing. I wasn't. The fog never lifted until late in the fourth quarter. And it was, uh, it was a very foggy, foggy day. Um, and so foggy, we had a flyover of four Navy F-A-18s, um, did an overflight of the stadium during the national anthem and we couldn't see them <laughs> because of the fog. You could hear them 
you could sure hear them. You know, four four FA eighteens is eight jet engines, and they went right over us. And uh, I later saw when I got home, I saw a video, obviously taken from one of the mountaintops around Missoula as it the mountain poked up out of the fog. And above the fog, it was beautiful and sunny. And here were these four Navy jets flying right over the uh, the uh, um, right over this fog bank. It's really kind of neat. It's like, oh, that's what they looked like. They were up there and had a nice sunny day. We were down here in the fog. Um, but the the beauty of it was the 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 planes did the overflight and then they they landed at Missoula International Airport and they came to the game. So at halftime, the flight crews were introduced and um it was they were they were all wearing their you know leather uh leather fighter pilot coats and their uniforms and then as they were introduced one of them was a University of Montana alum and at the end of the introduction they all unzipped their flight jackets and popped them open and they were all wearing grizz t-shirts so it was a good time there was a there was a video played uh, not this week, but the the last home game, which was Military Appreciation Day, there is a uh, Navy ship named after um, the city of Billings, which Billings, Montana, is the largest city in Montana. And uh, so there is a USS Billings. And during uh, Military Appreciation Day, they played a video from the captain and crew of the Billings and uh, had a large group of, of sailors gathered on deck holding up a Montana Grizzly flag. So that was um, obviously yesterday they might have been holding up a Bobcat fan, uh, Bobcat flag, Billings, or Saturday. Billings is is on the eastern end of the state and probably has a, uh, and, and Billings is an agricultural city. It's the largest city in the state, but it's a agricultural shipping hub. The over half of the population in Montana is here in the west. Within 200 miles of um, the Idaho border, you have most of the population of Montana and uh, and all the large cities except Billings. <laughs> but Billings has always been that agricultural hub and is the the largest single city. But it's out, you know, it's it's a population center in a much less populated part of Montana. And the universe, uh, Montana State University is the agriculture. So, you know, for degrees in, you know, farming and, and stuff, you know, farm industry degrees, that's MSU. And therefore, Billings is probably dominated by Bobcat fans. Um, but it was it was a good game, and, and I'm looking forward to the playoffs. And it was not the game I expected. I really wasn't expecting... Uh, blowout's not the right term because it was, you know, 37 to 7, but a 30-point win is pretty big. But I was not expecting it. I was not expecting either team to be that dominant. And and I, I was expecting a much closer game. And this is not to say the Bobcats didn't play well. They played very well. They just got shut down. They weren't making a lot of mistakes. They just couldn't, you know, the, the, def, the Grizz defense was too much for them. And the Grizz offense... Had more than enough gas to 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 pound out the uh, the game against the the Bobcat defense. The uh, Bobcat defense was also highly ranked, so it was it was a it was a a good game. 
enjoyed it immensely. And then yesterday I got to preach at uh, Blackfoot Community Bible Church in Ovando. Um, started the the study of Ephesians that I'm looking forward to uh, to doing. And I did something yesterday I have never done before. As I was preparing for um, this series, you know, for the last several months, I've known I was going to teach through Ephesians, and so I've been reviewing and reading and looking at commentaries and stuff and just, you know, getting into the book of Ephesians. And it occurred to me, how would this have been presented to the church in Ephesus? And it's like, you know, well, somebody would have stood up and read the letter. Hey, we got a letter from Paul, which was actually the title of my message. Hey, we got a letter from Paul. They would have stood up and read the letter. And so after some introductory remarks talking about the you know the theme and stuff of of the of the letter i read the entire book of ephesians that that was my sermon yesterday and obviously it's the word of god so it it will not return void it will have the the but i've never just stood up and read an entire book of the bible from the pulpit before i've read chapters i've read portions but i've never read an entire book so yesterday i stood at the pulpit and I read all six chapters of Ephesians, um, as I with some some introductory remarks and some preface remarks, and then we went downstairs and had Thanksgiving lunch because it was their Thanksgiving potluck. So they fed us well. Um, we are very much in love with the congregation there in Ovando. Great bunch of people. Um, glad to be there once a month to preach. Um, miss being at Frenchtown. You know, you, you're away from your home church. You always miss that. But uh, but if you have to be away from your home church, being in a good church somewhere else is always a good thing. All right. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, college football, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast live every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to christianpodcastcommunity.com, check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You're certain to find something worth listening to, I guarantee it. I am drinking my coffee today from the Alpha and Omega Ministries coffee mug, which you can't see because everybody always prints it on the wrong side. They always print the logo so it's facing you if you're holding the, the mug in your right hand. Folks, if you're having mugs printed, put your logo on both sides. Trust me, you'll appreciate it. Podcasters like me, drinking from your mugs will then be able to more easily rep your ministry. Um, I do tend to use ministry mugs on the podcast. That's just kind of a thing. So uh, if you put the logo on both sides, you'll get your logo out there more. All right, what do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And it's Monday, so we got Monday meanderings. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the Prayer of Confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. 
Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, now our reading from Daily Readings in the Life of Christ by John MacArthur. Today's devotion is entitled, Sincere Prayer Requests. I say today, this is the devotion from May 14th. (laughs) Um, For various reasons, we are not following the calendar in this devotional book. We're just doing them in sequence. Sincere Prayer Requests. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him, Matthew 6, 8. Dr. MacArthur writes, We do not have to badger or cajole God to ensure that he will hear and answer our prayers, or to convince him that our requests are sincere. Prayer is more for our benefit than God's. As Luther said, By our praying we are instructing ourselves more than we are him. Our prayers... No matter how eloquent or earnest, can never really inform or persuade God. Our responsibility and privilege is simply to approach Him with sincerity, purpose, and true devotion. We can share with God all manner of needs, burdens, and heartfelt concerns, even though He already knows everything that's on our hearts and minds. God delights to hear us and commune with us more than we ever delight to commune with Him. He loved us first and with greater intensity than we could ever love him. Our sincere prayer requests allow God the opportunity to more fully reveal all his wonderful attributes to us. See John fourteen thirteen. The great evangelist D.L. Moody once felt so filled up and overwhelmed with God's blessings that he reportedly prayed, God, stop. Potentially, every faithful believer today could have Moody's response to God's goodness. The Lord answers us in better ways than we want or expect but he always answers. Ask yourself. The fact that God knows what you need before you ask him can easily be construed into a rationalization for praying less. What is it about this astounding reality? What it is about this astounding reality, however, that should actually inspire us to pray? What is it about him? Sorry. What is it about this astounding reality, however, that should actually inspire us to pray more? How does it reorient us to the true meaning of relationship with God? Good words this morning from Dr. MacArthur and important words because we have prayer needs this morning. This is Monday Meandering and and I do want to start off with a prayer need. Um, I saw on Twitter yesterday um, that Paul Washer is having heart bypass surgery this morning. Um, He... I believe is in surgery and maybe I, he should be out. It's been it's eight o'clock here, which is 10 o'clock in, in, in the East coast. And, and he was going into surgery purportedly at 6 AM East coast time this morning. So that's four hours ago. Um, so he is probably, the surgery is probably completed, but I have not seen any update. I have been privileged to know, Paul Washer since the first um, Reformation Montana conference 10 years or more ago um, without looking at a calendar to figure it out. 
he was one of the speakers at that conference. And so I've been, you know, privileged to know him, um, even though, I mean, we're not buddies and we don't hang out all the time and everything, but I, I've, I, I always speak to him at Shepherd's conferences if I get a chance. I just most recently was able to visit with him at G3, um, and uh, I, I texted him yesterday to tell him that I was praying for him as he was getting ready to go into surgery. To, um, he seems to be in very good spirits. I mean, hard to hard to get toned from a text message. I didn't talk to him, um, and it wasn't a long exchange. It was just, hey, I'm praying for you, um, to which he said thank you. Um, but we had, you know, just a brief but when I talked to him in, back in September, G3, he did mention his heart wasn't. Um, and so this, you know, he had that massive heart attack a few years ago, which was actually just a few days after I had spent almost half an hour with him in the book tent at Shepherd's Conference, right after Shepherd's Conference, that he had that heart attack. And uh, it was, you know, I mean, that was scary. We almost lost. So he is in surgery today. So pray for him. Pray for his family. Pray for heart cry, you know. I mean, he's a, he's been the leader of that ministry for you know, founder and leader of Heart Cry Missionary Society for a long time. Um, so I've actually I don't normally do this, but I have Twitter open and actually open to the Heart Cry page, hoping that they will post an update because <laughs> they said that they 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 would at some point. So um, I normally don't have Twitter open. Um, the reason I don't have Twitter open is, well, let me just put it this way. I have texted and tweeted James White during Dividing Lines and interrupted his podcast intentionally. And so I, I try to reduce the opportunity for people to do that to me. So I don't uh, normally have Twitter open during the podcast. Um, but this morning I do because I, I very much want to keep track of Paul. Um, and so now I would like us to pray for Paul. And this is um, also from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. This is a, a prayer for, for healing. Um, let us pray. Almighty and immortal God, giver of life and health, we implore your mercy this morning for your servant Paul, that by your blessing upon him and upon those who minister to him with your healing gifts, he may be restored to health of body and mind, according to your gracious will, and may give thanks to you in your local, in your holy church, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So we pray also for Paul's family and pray for a full recovery, successful surgery, full recovery. Amen and amen. All right. Today is President Biden's 81st birthday. Um, I think uh, his physical and mental deterioration is becoming more and more obvious. Um, I think those his handlers, those who are truly running this administration, because he's not, um, his handlers knew he was senile when they put him forward as president. But even three years ago, he was in better shape than he is now. And I think he has deteriorated much more rapidly than they expected or hoped. And I don't see this as a a uh, statement of age, excuse me while I refill my coffee, the squeak of the thermos, and a hiss, the pressure real equalizes. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not strictly age. I mean, senility is age-related, no doubt, but it doesn't strike everyone. And I know people who are older than President Biden, 
who are much more mentally able. Um, John MacArthur, <laughs> you know, John MacArthur is still sharp as ever. Um, although, you know, his, his, his age is showing, certainly. I mean, he's not as fast as he used to be, but mentally he's listened to his recent, recent sermons. Guy's still got it. Um, even if he has to be a little bit more careful physically, which I understand for an athlete like MacArthur is tough. Um, and I don't know if he's gotten back to playing golf. I, I should I should ask a few people. I know he was playing golf before his bypass um, last year. So, you know, they've, they've still got, he's got speaking plans at Grace Church going ahead, you know, a year from now. So, because it's uh, October of next year is the cessationist conference at Grace Church. And he is speaking at that, or scheduled to. Um and, of course, Shepherd's Conference is coming up in just a few months. Looking forward to that. Very much looking forward to that. So, anyway, today is President Biden's 81st birthday. I do wish him a, a happy birthday. But it is very serious, the condition that he is in um, regarding, you know, as as the, the... There's two issues here. First off, it's clear he's not in charge. Second, his obvious mental and physical decline is sending a message of weakness to both our allies and our enemies abroad. As they look at this and they think, how can America be strong? How can America in any way um, you know, be a leader of nations when our nation's leader is checked out? <laughs> so there's serious, you know, um, I think that the Putin's invasion of Ukraine um, perhaps even, you know, the Hamas attacks on Israel. There's things going on, you know, the China's belligerence over Taiwan. There are things going on which would not have gone on or would have been less likely to have gone on had we had a strong and competent president. And uh, so there is a, there's a national security issue with having a senile leader at the helm of the ship. But it's his birthday. And what is his plan for today? Today he is going to pardon two turkeys for Thanksgiving, where apparently they will go live out the rest of their natural lives in comfort at some farm in Maryland, I believe. I'm not sure. There's a there is a a place where presidential turkeys go. <laughs> um and uh and so they are they are being pardoned and they are being shipped off. And I think this is just the weirdest and stupidest tradition ever. Um, apparently started by Abraham Lincoln of pardoning turkeys for Thanksgiving. Uh, it's like, come on. Uh, you know, it's a, it, cook that bird up. You know, let's, 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 you know, yesterday we had two turkeys at the potluck in Ovando. We had uh, one of the church members had smoked a turkey and it was delicious and the other church member had deep fried a turkey and it was also delicious <laughs> so we had smoked turkey and deep fried turkey and all the fixings including pecan pie which is the pie uh, you can you can have all the pumpkin pie you want the pecan pie is mine just so you know so and it is thanksgiving thursday's thanksgiving we will be here thursday morning we will not be here friday um and Thursday will be pre-recorded 
just so you know. Um, I will pre-record it and upload it, um, but I do have something for Thursday. But we'll be here live today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Okay, what else happened in this last week? Well, we had China's Xi Jinping met briefly with President Biden in a freshly scrubbed San Francisco. Um, the, uh, the, the, the fact that they cleaned up all the homeless camps, we talked about that last week, um, and, and, you know, the, just showed that they could do it. <laughs> um, the city doesn't have to be an open cesspool, but they uh, choose to allow it to be, except when foreign dignitaries they wish to impress are coming to town. Now, President Biden only spent like three or four hours with, uh, with, uh, with Xi, um, and not much happened. Um, got a vague kind of promise that China would do something about the fentanyl that what we're having, what here's what's going on. China is selling chemical pre precursors, chemicals to Mexican cartels who then manufacture fentanyl in Mexico and are smuggling across the border through the, the open sieve that is our Southern border. Um, because there's no border security and fentanyl is killing a lot of people. So one of the things that, that President Biden or his handlers um, wanted to communicate to the Chinese was, hey, stop selling these chemicals to these Mexican gangs. And like I said, they got kind of a vague kind of promise to do that. It seems that, that Xi's primary reason for meeting, primary reason for coming, was to meet with the leaders of American tech and financial term, uh, firm. He met with, on the financial end, he met with the, the leaders of the, the largest investment banks, BlackRock, etc. But he also met with tech leaders, including Apple's Tim Cook and Tesla's Elon Musk. Remember, all of the Apple devices, including the iPad I'm reading these notes off of, all of the Apple devices are manufactured in China. And then um, Tesla and the Tesla's batteries are heavily dependent upon rare minerals that China controls. <laughs> so these tech companies are very dependent upon China. And this was one of the things that had, has became very apparent during 2020 because of the shutdowns and all of that and the disruption it caused to the supply chain, uh, uh, a phrase that, you know, very few people had heard <laughs> prior to, you know, why can't I get a new computer? Why can't I get a new television? Because of the supply chain. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, you know, ships that normally were coming from China weren't. We get so much of our, our stuff from overseas. Clothes, electronics, you know. Um, I've mentioned this before. The United States no longer has the manufacturing base it used to. We could not fight World War II today. Um, I was listening to Victor Davis Hanson over the weekend, and he was talking about the miscalculation that Japan made prior to the war, World War II being the war. Now, the miscalculations that led to the attack on Pearl Harbor. They didn't think through the fact that the American Pacific Fleet, which was roughly half of the American fleet, was the same size as Japan's entire fleet. They didn't calculate that. They also didn't calculate the fact that America had the shipyard to manufacture a fleet 10 times larger 
than the one it had at the beginning of the war very rapidly. But you look at the, the, the planes and the tanks and the ships and the munitions, you know, the everything from bullets to bombs to artillery shells, all the things that were manufactured in the United States during World War II, we were not only supplying our own troops, we were supplying the British, we were supplying the Russians, we were supplying the French resistance, we were supplying the Australians. The United States was the manufacturing giant on the planet. And that led to the post-war economic boom because so much of the world was war-torn after World War II, whereas the United States was still, you know, in its national integrity, the United States was still whole. Our factories hadn't been bombed. Our cities hadn't been bombed. So the 40s and 50s, after World War II, you saw the huge economic booms that, that America experienced. And that was because, you know, we were the ones who could still make stuff. We didn't have to rebuild our factories. We could just convert all of that wartime production back to civilian use. And that's the thing that we need to remember. This was civilian production capacity converted to wartime use. I'm not saying there weren't factories built during the war, but we had the factories that could build the machine tools to be used in the factories built during the war. And there was an expansion of our manufacturing capability during the war, but it was based upon the capability we had before the war. We weren't start, starting from scratch. And so we were able to produce all these planes. We were able to produce all this stuff. We couldn't do that now. Look at how many new cars were manufactured and sat because they couldn't get the computer chips to make the cars work. I saw f fields and fields and fields of pickup trucks in newspaper reports that were parked outside of their factories in, in Detroit where the trucks had been manufactured, and they were unusable because they were lacking electronic parts. So they had to wait until they got the chips manufactured and then put together the car computers, then go out and install them in all these cars, and then they could sell them. But, you know, even though they had engines and transmissions and everything without those computer chips, they, they could not run, and those computer chips aren't made here. And that's a problem. And I think we noticed during that time, um, even pharmaceuticals. A lot of our a lot of our pharmaceuticals come from plants in China because American manufacturers and European manufacturers have exported their manufacturers to China for cheap labor because it, it cuts their costs. And there is huge national security implications in that. And so that's why. Tim Cook from Apple and Elon Musk from Tesla, when Xi Jinping snaps his fingers, they come running to meet with him. And that, that happened in San Francisco. They were not alone. There were others. Those are just the biggest names that left off the page of the article I was reading. So this is, you know, I mean, this was something that, that President Trump was spot on about, in my opinion, that we need to wean ourselves off of Chinese manufacturing. Now, remember that the Chinese economy, this is something that's really important. The Chinese economy is built primarily on intellectual theft. They have a huge industrial espionage operation where they steal designs, they steal processes, they steal abilities that they didn't develop, and then 
they make stuff and sell it back to it, where patent holders aren't getting their royalties, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's based on the theft of intellectual property. Um, and we've known this for years. I mean, we've talked about, you know, look at all the, the bootleg movies and the bootleg, uh, you got bootleg movies, bootleg CDs. The, the China's always had, you know, rip off fake Rolex watches. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's an industry and it's been China's industry for a long time. Um, but they've surpassed the cheap knockoff stage. <laughs> They're now manufacturing goods that are approaching the quality of the West. And indeed, you know, I mean, you can you can argue that that you know, in a lot of ways, Apple's devices, the the iPhone, the iPad, the iMac, the the Apple Watch, these are among the most advanced consumer products in the world. And and while they may be, you know, owned by Western companies, they're manufactured in China. Well, that means we've given China all that technology. I mean, you can't put something together without learning how it's put together. And so we have, you know, China has technological abilities now that we have given them. And this is going to come back to bite us. I just, this is not going to end well um in 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 my considered opinion um so keep an eye on china don't don't be complacent um consider america's relationship with china consider america's uh business relationship with china um consider america's detrimental um uh, gosh how to put it the uh, the the fact that the, the detrimental effects of our dependence upon China, both economically and from a national security point of view. Consider these things and, and, and be aware of them and take them into account when you vote. Take them into account in your thought process. Take them into account when you shop. Um, and like I said, I say that knowing I've got an iPhone right here with Twitter open and I've got an iPad right here with my notes for today's podcast. Um, and I don't know that there's an alternative. That's the sad thing. Right now, if you're going to use these kinds of devices, you're going to be using a device most likely manufactured in China. Um, I think, you know, Samsung is a Japanese corporation, I think, but I would not be surprised if their stuff's made in China. Or is Samsung a Japanese corporation? Let me check. But Samsung is the other big leader in in phones and tablets using the Google operating service. Samsung.com. If that's they have an about, the about I get uh, maybe just Google it and Wikipedia. Yes, I use Wikipedia, not as a authoritative source, but it is um, useful for. You know, basic facts and come up. I'm getting all the corporate stuff. Wikipedia. Okay, here is Samsung. It's Korean. Okay, so it is a Korean company. South Korean multinational manufacturing conglomerate. And that tells you <laughs> they're making the stuff in China. You can bet. Um, as of 2020, Samsung has the eighth highest global brand value. It is an industrial conglomerate. So everything from clothing, car parts, computer parts, ships, telecommunications equipment, home appliances, subsidiaries, whole list of subsidiaries here, going to their website. Um, 
looking to see Samsung Electronics, the world's largest information technology company, consumer electronics maker, and chip maker, according to the 2017 revenue. Their Samsung Heavy Industries is the world's second largest ship builder. Um, these these manufacturers, that used to be American, guys. That used to be American. And beginning really in the 60s, um, we have exported our manufacturing so that we are no longer capable of doing it here. And here's a, here's a thought experiment for you. Think about all the people you know. Of all the people you know, how many of them work in a factory where they make something for a living? And then think back, not all that long ago, when most middle-class Americans worked in factory, building airplane, building automobile, building locomotive, building something, washing machines, refrigerator, steel mills, lumber mills, and so much of that is gone. So much of that is gone. I cannot think of anybody right now that I know well. I mean, I, I, there's probably somebody I know somewhere who works in a factory. But I mean, people, you know, friends, people that I know well. I can't think of anybody who works in a factory. Um, and, and, you know, so many factories are smaller than they used to be. And, um, you know, they've been shut down. Um now, I do see we still make stuff here. Um, I live just a few hundred feet from a railroad track, and I see 737 fuselages on trains heading to Everett, Washington for final assembly at the Boeing plant there. Um, and those fuselages were made in Kansas. So, you know, we still make stuff, but not like we used to. Not like we used to. Not on the scale that we used to. Um you know, all of this computer technology, you know, for the most part was invented here. And yet the largest manufacturer of consumer electronics is a Korean company. And I, I said, with just that little brief search, and I didn't see anything about where their factories are, but I would bet their stuff's made in China, manufactured, put together, assembled, even though it's owned by Samsung. Because, I mean, if Apple's doing it, Samsung's doing it too. Um, and, and worldwide... There's probably more Samsung phones running uh, Google's Android than there are iPhones running iOS. So something to think about this morning. All right, let us recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the 25th Sunday after Pentecost. Stir up, O Lord, the wills of your faithful people that bringing forth in abundance the fruit of good works, they may be abundantly rewarded when our Savior Jesus Christ comes to restore all things, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Now the colic for the renewal of life. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires. Incline your hearts to keep your law and guide our feet into the way of peace, 
that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Monday of Thanksgiving week. As we we plug along, um, continue to pray for Paul Washer and his family. Um, as of uh, 10.30 Eastern Time, there's been no update um, on the Heart Cry website. Um, and so I have not heard anything, but continue to pray. Brother Paul is just, he is one of the most genuinely nice people I think I have ever met. He is one of these guys, doesn't matter how much, how busy he is, when he's talking to you, he's talking to you. And it doesn't matter if he's got an appointment. I have I have stood next to him and watched him talking to somebody when his handlers have been going, you know, Paul, you have a meeting, you need to go. He said, yeah, we'll get there, you know. He's, he, he's, he, the, the, the person he's talking to is that important that he's willing to be late for the meeting. Um, at, at G3, he came in late to the panel discussion. If you haven't seen the clip, it's pretty classic. And, uh, and, uh, somebody, I think Josh Bice asked him, you know, why are you late? And he was like, you know, sharing the gospel with some lady and he wasn't going to just walk away. And so that's, that's the heart of Paul Washer. And he truly is that person. This is not a persona. Um, now he's very much. If you if you watch his sermons and stuff like that, you don't get the impression. Um, you you don't see his humor as much as you do in person. When you're when you're just talking to him, he is a funny guy. Um, he tells jokes. He's laughing. He's enjoying life. Um, even as he takes God and his word very serious. Um, he exhibits, he, he is an exemplar of Christ-likeness. Um, I've, I've known that since I first met him, that he is just, this guy's real. And, and I, I appreciate that. So do be in prayer for Paul and his family um, during this time. Pray for a full recovery. I, I look, I'm, I'm still looking forward to, to getting an announcement soon that he is out of surgery and doing well. Um, I was hoping to get it before now, um, but uh, we will continue to remember Paul in our prayers. That will be throughout the day until we know more and, and even beyond. All right, folks, that's Monday. Do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Scroll Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.